Hi, my name is Yemi, and I'm here with my co-host, Philia. Hey, guys. And welcome to Treading, Treading Faith. Faith. Treading Faith is a weekly podcast dedicated to taking a deep dive into open, honest, fun, and sometimes difficult conversations surrounding our everyday lives, our relationships, and our faith walk with Christ. So, Philia, what are we diving into today? Well, we are giving all of you a season pass to miracles where we closely examine the miracles of Jesus Christ, and we apply it to our modern day life. Miracles are an inexplicable event that cannot be explained through scientific means, but in the faith world, we attribute these events to the Lord. Now today, we are covering the miracle of bringing Lazarus back to life. This will be taken from John 11, verses 1 to 44. I will be reading from the ESV version, but please feel free to use any version of your choice. And it begins. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the, the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us all go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, 
they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Amen. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Um, this, I think this miracle really made me emotional reading it because it just shows the power and the glory of God. And it really shows the love and compassion that Jesus had for Lazarus. I mean, he stayed two days extra in a place where the Jews were trying to stone him. And his response to his disciples saying, talking about 12 hours in the, in the day and being the light of the world. And when you're darkness, then only light can pretty much illuminate that. He was still talking of himself, saying that he was the light of this darkness in this world. And he was still willing to risk his life for someone he loved so much because he loved Martha and Mary and their brother. And even though Martha believed that he can rise, you know, or he can awaken her, her brother. She also said he has a stench because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus is like, do you not believe? He was like, and he calls out to Lazarus to come out. And he did this because he knew that if the world, the people who were his adversaries and his opponents and the people who were against him can see this themselves, that will be the test of fate to say, hey, our God is a real and living God. And that's why I love this miracle. And it's just so sad that with all this power and all this goodness, they still crucified him in the end. And I think that's, it just shows human nature. You know, we're never okay. We're never satisfied, even with goodness sometimes. Yeah, I think, I think there wasn't an understanding of who Jesus was, what he was here for. Um, the Messiah's come is to save them, and they didn't realize what that saving looked like. And so what Jesus offered them in their heads threatened them. It threatened their rule. And so Jesus going back to a place where he knew he would be vilified and, crucif um, and ultimately crucified, going close to Jerusalem, I don't know if there was a thought like this isn't my time or this isn't um, this isn't part of the script because this had to be public. At this time, everyone was mourning. It was very public because people came from Jerusalem to mourn with Mary and Martha. But when Jesus heard the initial thought about Lazarus dying, 
he makes these statements that can sound very confusing. The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. You know, hearing that your friend died and you're saying it's about glorifying God, no one is going to know what you're talking about. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus says, like, those who have ears will hear, those who have eyes will see. see. But the revelation doesn't come to everyone so quickly. Sometimes it takes time for them to get that understanding. But Jesus knew that this was an opportunity, but he was also sad. He had to let Lazarus die and show that God can be glorified. But as Philia read, he loved Lazarus. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. You think he didn't want to be there? You don't think he would want to send a messenger saying your faith has healed him? All the things that he's done before, Lazarus had to die. And And it was a public, a very public resurrection. Many people were witnesses to this. And even as witnesses, they couldn't worship God. Maybe some of them did, but they couldn't glorify God. They had to be threatened. And that's why Jesus is the light. Right. Because when he's present, goodness comes. Right. But if you dwell in the darkness, you will stumble. Right. And so that's why destruction will come. That's why bad things happen. Because you dwell in the darkness. Dwell with Christ. Dwell in his presence present and there will be light. There will be glory. He says, Lazarus is asleep. He views death very differently than we do. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be on the wavelength that Jesus is on. It's temporary. It's sleep. There's eternal life. We're supposed to remember that and really believe it. But some of us think of death so finite. It's the end. But like you said, Philia, we're human. Right. It's very hard to let go of, of the the human aspects and get into the spiritual spiritual elevation that Jesus is offering. Right. I I love the point that you make where you talk about what Jesus is offering because this death ha- was so public. Well, I would say the resurrection of Lazarus was so public because it was going to make those who did not believe or even the ones who had a faint of belief now it's like they're believers. But it also foreshadowed what was going to happen to Jesus because mm-hmm. here Lazarus was awakened from the tomb after four days as opposed to three days with Jesus. So it was almost like it mirrored what was really happening, you know. And I think, like you said, Jesus could have healed him in a different way, like the others, you know, like you said, sending a messenger, maybe not leaving or anything like that. So I think his compassion and, and almost remorse. Like, don't you think that I wish that I was here? You know, it saddens me to hear this story and also risking his life of going back to the site. It's almost like the site of the crime, of the scene of the crime in a sense, right? But it was, it, that in itself was not enough. He still foraged ahead and just had his disciples have faith. So it, it also shows that nothing is impossible. There is no situation that cannot be resolved um, from God, there's no situation that is bigger than than Him, because even in this, where He almost mirrored His own, you know, resurrection, He's saying that if you have faith and if you believe in Me, then all things are possible. And I think this just continues to reiterate that idea, that model, that notion, that foundation that we must still believe. And even though we may feel that miracles don't happen often. 
we can still manifest those miracles by just believing and just praying and just having that ultimate faith. You know, I remember when, um, you know, before we started to think about this recording, I said, it's just so interesting that Jesus was alive when Caesar was alive. I just find that so amazing because we learn about Caesar in all of our history books, but we don't learn about Jesus if you're not in church or if you don't come from a family that, you know, believes in Bible studies or taking, you know, going to Sunday school or even talking about God in the house. And it's just so fascinating that here is a live emperor that we've talked about for years and Jesus is not talked about in that same fashion, you know, and you mentioned that, you know, yeah, you're right. Jesus should be in the history books. I understand it's religious and they say, you know, you cannot mix church and state, but it's just one of those things that it almost feels like if he was in the history books, he would almost seem more real. Mm. It almost feels like that to me because then it's like, oh, if he's in our history book, then he must be real because the Bible is religious or the Bible is another book that is just about Christianity it just seems so odd to me when I really think about what those ramifications are, you know, in not mixing the two almost. And I get it. It's political. It's, it gets testy. People die over, over religion, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it shows that he was real. I mean, yeah, I, I think not including him in a his in the educational history books, mm-hmm. I'm talking about students history. Right is to mystify him and also to question the validity of him, right? Because history is supposed to be fact. But fact, Jesus was alive. Jesus walked the earth. Jesus was crucified. These are facts. Us believers, we're saying factually he rose from the dead. Even if the history books don't say he rose from the dead, they can confirm that he walked the earth. He had many believers. He was crucified. Um, crucified. crucified. They want to stop there. They can. And they can stop there. Mm-hmm. And they can talk about how this it's a revelation of a movement, how people believe. There's so much to teach, right. but it mystifies him. And like you said, it, some people may not even know that Jesus was real. Correct. They may think that that is still religion. Yeah. Yes, but he was real. He was real. And mm-hmm. what Jesus is showing us is that he didn't come for religion. He didn't come for this organized thing. He came to set us free. Mm-hmm. And even in this whole situation where Jesus, Martha and Mary were suffering, his friend right. Lazarus was suffering, right. but Jesus had to do something intentional with this. The fact that he waited to go to them to make sure that everybody knew that Lazarus was dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like he right. had to be dead, dead, like for real right. dead. Right. Before that, he before he can resurrect him. Because there had to be no question. This is leading up to Jesus's death, right? There had to be irrefutable proof that Jesus is who he had to say he was. But at the same time, it had to be something so strong that it enraged. It would enrage his opponents to want to crucify him. Right. So it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Right, right. And, and, and Jesus suffered just as Martha and Mary suffered because he loved them and he didn't want this, but he had to glorify God by resurrecting Lazarus, which also would get him closer to his crucifixion. Jesus says some very important things to Martha and Mary during this time Mm -hmm. that I think kind of solidifies our belief in him. 
right? We're coming close to Easter and we believe in the death, crucifix, crucifixion, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what did he say when he was here? What was the message for us, for us to, to, to lean on? Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says, do you believe this? Now, if somebody said that to me, I was like, what, what are you saying? <laughs> like, right. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and Martha said, yes. Right. She said, yes, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. How can you be the life and the resurrection? It means that life has no end. Right. He's saying that you cannot die if you believe in him. You can have life. And if you die, you can be rest. I mean, it's mind blowing what Jesus is saying right here to these people. And he's saying these words. And as confusing as it sounds, he's showing you too. Lazarus was dead, dead right. before he raised him. Right. Four days. They didn't even want to open the tomb. They're like, it's, it's going to stink. <laughs> right. right. It's going to stink. Why are we doing this? Right. And, um, you know, even the fact that Jesus says to to Martha, didn't I tell you that if you believe that you will see God's glory? It just sh continues to to state that fact in about the belief, you know. So even though Lazarus has been dead, dead for four days to the point where he would have a stench, it's like coming out bounded with, with white linen. I mean, that's the way he was buried. I mean, if he came out with this beautiful white angelic cloth, you know, it would almost seem like, oh, okay, here we go, you know. But he came out looking the way he did when he was buried. And, you know, I think that just goes to show he was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is not a joke. It is not fictional. It is not some some character. In the movie. I mean, this is a real situation. And I think exemplifying that fact that he was so miraculous, even to the point of raising one from the dead i mean how do you how do you explain that how do you combat that you know it only comes from the lord right right and those who question otherwise you know jesus rebuked them because he's like this is the work of the lord right. the holy spirit you can say whatever you want about right. me right. but not about the about the spirit of god right. and this is just proof positive that whatever Jesus was saying to them, mm -hmm. it is true. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. This is for the glory of God. He's showing you, as you said, and it's a foreshadow to his own death. Right. I am the life and the resurrection. Right. I, will, I will die, but I will live. I will be killed, but I will resurrect. You may die in this life, but you can have eternal life through me. I mean, this is so profound beyond belief. This the resurrection of Lazarus, who is dead, dead, means so much. Yes. I can't wait to continue to talk about this on the oh, live. <laughs> I have so much more to say. Yes. But for now, stay tuned for closing announcements and prayer. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today, where we discuss Jesus's miracle of bringing Lazarus back to life. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. And before we wrap, we have a few announcements. Then we would like to close in prayer. First, we would like to announce that we will be back next week with another podcast where we continue to discuss the miracles performed by Jesus Christ. This one is where he healed 10 men from leprosy. 
We will also be hosting our next Wisdom Wednesday live on YouTube next week on April 5th at our new time, 8 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel, Treading Faith. Treading Faith is also our Instagram handle. So follow our IG page to keep current on what's happening with Treading Faith. Our podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, our website, treadingfaith.captivate.fm, and where other podcasts are found. You can subscribe and share with your friends, family, colleagues, and neighbors alike. Lastly, don't forget to add another note to your faith box or jar. The faith box, or what I'm calling God's good gifts, is a box or jar where we keep our weekly accomplishments, reminders, testimonies, or good news. At the end of the year, we will review the contents to remind ourselves and to have insight into God's presence in our life year-round. Nothing is too big or small to include. This is personal and totally up to you. Now, let's join together in prayer. We believe in the power of prayer and specifically praying the text of the Bible because according to Isaiah 55, 11, God's word will not come back void. We also believe that our prayers are strengthened in numbers, so we ask that you come into agreement with us for this prayer. Father God, we glorify you. We lift your name on high. We come into agreement with this prayer. We are gathered in your name, O Father God, and we welcome your presence. According to Matthew 18, 20, when two or more are gathered in your name, you are present. We thank you for your presence today and continually in our lives. We thank you for guiding us. We thank you for teaching us, and we thank you for your love and mercy. Father God, we have learned that Jesus is the way, the life, the truth, the resurrection, and the life. If we are to seek everlasting life, we should seek it through him. But Father God, this world is tough and dangerous. There are many challenges. Some may be seeking to go beyond this life. Some may be violent towards others and take their lives. But Father, we look to you for hope. We look to you for peace. John 3, 16 says, So for he so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, Father God, we call upon the presence of the Holy Spirit in every situation right now that is ailing your people, your creation. Father God, we ask, that hearts be turned towards you, that they may believe that the Son of God came to give us everlasting life. Father God, we hold on to the hope that we should not perish, even though this world seems like it's fading. Father, with you, we have hope for a new day, something eternal, something more than this. John eleven twenty five said, eleven twenty five says that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, shall yet shall he live. This is what Jesus said to Martha and Mary upon the death of Lazarus. He proclaimed boldly that whoever believes in him shall not die. Oh, Father God, we pray for life beyond death, for those who are suffering from loss, from those who are recently deceased. Oh, Father God, we pray for peace, peace for the family, peace for the world, peace for the friends, peace for the country, peace for the world. There is so much death and destruction, but we call on you to give us hope to life. Matthew 10, 28 says, 
Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear whom can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Oh, Father God, the body may be weak. The body may pass, but the soul will live on through your grace and mercy. For it's through Jesus Christ that we can be resurrected, that we can have eternal life. Father God, let us strengthen ourselves so that we may not be destroyed in soul and body by deviating from the path you have set out for us. Help us to obey and to follow your commandments. Help us to love one another and to love you, Father God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not, you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will first rise. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Father God, I pray for peace. Peace for those who have fallen, but peace for those who have lost. Knowing, let them be reassured, reassured with the hope that there is resurrection, there is reconciliation, there is life after this. We can meet again in the next life. Father, give hope to those who are struggling with death. Give them peace of mind. Give them a calm spirit so that their testimony, walking, living testimony of hope in the eternal can be presented to others who may be suffering. Revelations 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Oh, Father God, we look forward to the day where the former has passed away and that there is new life and new hope. We thank you, Father God, for giving us a new way forward. We pray that your words will be continuously on our lips so that we can speak life life in Christ to one another, to those who are struggling and suffering. John 14, 3 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. We thank God that Jesus proclaimed these words. We know that your words don't come off, come, come back void. So Jesus has gone to prepare a way for us. But that does not leave us destitute without hope, for we have the Holy Spirit and we have your mercy for us. But we will reunite again. Romans 8:38 to 39 says, "For I am neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. We thank you for hope and new day. We thank you that you have mercy to forgive us. We thank you that we can be reconciled with you. 
Father God, I pray for those who are hopeless, those who are destitute, those who are troubled, troubled in mind and spirit, that you send the Prince of Peace, the, the helper, the healing spirit, the Holy Spirit to descend on them and meet them where they are right now so that they can call on you and know that you are merciful and great in this world. Despite when we turn on the news and we see bad things, despite the fact that there is death around us, Father God, we shall not be in despair because nothing can separate us from your love. We thank you. Matthew 18, 19 says, if at least two of us agree on earth about anything we ask for, it will be done by our Father in heaven. So we come to you in agreement with this prayer when we say amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We love you and we are wishing you a blessed week. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye.